This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast, Thursday, April 16th. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. One week away from my wife's birthday and the 2020 NFL Draft. Can't wait. It's going to be a really fun. I'm sure that during the day it will be really fun, very relaxing, calm, cool. No one will get upset. Um, today, though, we are going to talk about two more of the most interesting teams in the draft, our th- part Three of our three part series. We picked six teams to take a look at. Uh, go and, uh, listen to Tuesday's show. And we talk about the Dolphins and the Cowboys. Yesterday's show on Wednesday, we talked about the Vikings and the Colts. And today we will look at the Patriots and 49ers. Then after the break, Bryant McFadden will join us to break down his top defensive backs in the draft as we continue defensive prospect draft ranking week to get interesting ryan wilson sean wagner mcguff how you guys doing greetings i am doing well and you very enthusiastic how do you miss john breach yet yeah of course yeah how old is his daughter today uh, <laughs> that's math ryan <laughs> unfair question uh not one 12 years old yeah how many days since her zeroth birthday, Brinson? <laughs> yeah, there. Maybe that'll get easier for you. You guys are clowns. Thank let's, you. Thank let's you. get to the Patriots, the first of our most interesting teams in the draft list for today. New England Patriots. What? Uh, I mean, look, they lost Tom Brady. That makes him interesting alone. You have to wonder, Ryan, with 13 picks, number 23 overall, 87, 98, 100, 125, 172, 195, and a bunch in the 200s, 204, 212, 213, 230, 235, and 241. You have to wonder if they'd be interested in trading up to get a quarterback. Yeah, I've been saying this for a while, just a hunch, not based on anyone I've been talking to. But I feel like if Jordan Love gets down to 15 or 16, the Patriots will get interested. Get interested. The Saints, who pick right behind them at 24, might be interested. Uh, neither of those teams have second-round picks. But I don't know how those teams feel about Jordan Love. But I feel like if he's there – some teams will be sniffing around. There are also reports that, that the Raiders like Jordan Love, so maybe he doesn't get past 12 or, or 19 should he um, should he slip a little further. So, yeah, if they don't take uh, Jordan Love, they can get an edge rusher. Uh, they could get a safety on Monday's mock draft. I had them taking Xavier McKinney out of Alabama. We know that Saban and Belichick are close, and uh, McKinney's uh, incredibly versatile. Patrick Chung's 32. We know that they re-signed Devin McCourty. He's also 32, so get younger and, and more athletic on the back end to go along with Steph Gilmore and, and all those um, members of the secondary that make that team really good. But I think at the top of the do, to-do list is obviously quarterback and maybe even wide receiver if they want to do that. Sean, would you draft a quarterback or sign Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, or Jameis Winston? I would – I mean, it depends on how they feel about Jordan Love, but I wouldn't trade up for a quarterback because – it's funny, you look at this Patriots roster, it's, you know, it's not just quarterback that they have holes at. Like, I think they have a couple 
serious needs, which is weird to say about the Patriots. But if you were to strip away the name of their team and who their coach is, I feel like, you know, we would be calling this team like what, a seven, eight win team? Uh, it's because of the Belichick factor that we trust there's a plan. So look, I, I, I think this is their plan. If I had to guess, it's their inaction in free agency to this point and in the trade market suggests that I think they are in play for a quarterback in the first round. I don't see them as overpaying and, and moving up. And Ryan has made the good point though that they've never been in this position before where quarterback is a need. So maybe we have to throw out all Bill Belichick's prior tendencies out the window because he's never been in this situation before. But to me, they're a team that understands value. They're not going to give up way too much draft capital to move up four spots to take a quarterback who is what 50, 50 at best to develop into a legitimate starting quarterback. But if they don't get a quarterback in the draft, we've talked about this. There are still a lot of decent options out there. Andy Dalton could be released after the draft. Um, his trade value has certainly gone down. It's not going to cost that much. Worst case, you go out there, you get Cam Newton. If you get good version of Cam Newton, 2018, first half of the year, Cam Newton, I think they're the best team in that division. Again, with Bill Belichick, I would take them. Um, and if you get the bad version of Cam Newton, you can address the quarterback position a year from now when you have a better pick. So I don't think they're going to reach. I think they're going to sit and see how the draft unfolds and know that, look, if we don't get a quarterback in round one, we'll just go sign one or trade for one because there are two or three out there that still need new homes. It is remarkable to think that, like, the Patriots haven't had to worry about the quarterback position in 20 years. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like what NFL team has, I mean, ever hasn't had to worry about the quarterback position in 20 years. I mean, maybe the Colts with Lu- Manning to Luck and they still have Packers. A- Packers, yeah, Favre to Rodgers. Sean would point out they have to worry about the quarterback position right now. Am I right? But what's funny about the Patriots is they haven't had to worry about the quarterback position, and they've produced more starting quarterbacks still in that span than a lot of teams. Like I'm not, I don't want to give them credit for like Matt Castle necessarily, but like Castle went on to Kansas City Castle. And won what? 10, 11 games one time? He's a pro bowler. Right. And then you had Brissett, who, who has been a starting quarterback, and you've had Garoppolo, who's been a starting quarterback, and maybe even, uh, I, I guess. Ryan Mallett's been a starting quarterback. <laughs> right. So it's funny that this is the Let's team that hasn't, the bills. this is the team that hasn't tried to draft starting quarterbacks and has produced more starting quarterbacks than most teams in that span. That, that sort of though makes me confident in the idea that A, Bill Belichick could believe in Jared Sidham and be correct in his belief in Jared Sidham and B that Bill Belichick could see a Jacob Eason or a Jordan Love or one of these quarterbacks, um, you know, who, who could potentially be a fit for them in the late first, early second round, by the way, uh, maybe don't take Sony Michelle over uh, Lamar Jackson next time. Yeah. I mean, a lot of teams pass on Lamar Jackson for whatever reason. They were all wrong. I mean, we thought the saints might trade up to grab, Lamar Jackson, they moved up to grab Marcus Davenport. And when the Patriots were on the clock, it was like, oh, my God, are they going to do this? Like sit Lamar Jackson for two years behind Tom Brady? And, I mean, I mean, imagine if they were there. They were about to like, – we didn't even we didn't even know what Lamar Jackson did last year, and he's about to unleash on it. Uh, recently, the uh, Patriots have drafted in Keel Harry, Sonny Michelle, Isaiah Wynn, Malcolm Brown, and Dominique Easley as first-round picks. It's hard to judge the Patriots too harshly for their first-round picks because – one, they trade out of the first round a lot, and two, uh, you know, you're picking thirty to thirty-two most of the, most I, well, most every year. That, I would argue that the Steelers draft late as well in the first round. They crush the first round. I mean, that's not yeah. crushing the first round. That's like a C minus first round. The last few years, yeah, that's, that's fair. The names you read off. I mean, I they, mean you can go lower than C minus. I think. I was being, yeah, I was doing the Wilson grading. The Sean grading is much tougher. Especially like it, like we do this with the Jags. It's like 
they should not have been taking Fournette in the first round no matter what because that's just not good value. But if they were going to take a running back, they should have took Christian McCaffrey. You can do the same thing with the Patriots and Sony Michelle. They should not be taking a running back in the first round. But if they were going to take a running back, don't take Michelle. Take Nick Chubb. He was yeah. he was sitting there. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've only had – they've had three first-round picks since uh, since 2016. And, like – you know, I mean, look, they got a, a guy like a Landon Roberts, cheap. They got Ted Karras, cheap. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, Joe Tooney, this is the 2016 draft. They only had four picks in 2017. Uh, one of those was uh, a gate of some sort, I think, that cost them a pick. Um, they had two first in 2018. Did, 2018 was a bad draft for them. And then uh, last year, they grabbed Stidham in the fourth round, so there's upside there. Uh, yeah, they, I, like they still got like you know Chase Vinovich. They do a good job drafting. It's just they don't always hit on those first round picks. Yeah, that's fine. I like Chase Winovich. Uh, Winovich. I think he he um he flashed last year, but I think he could be pretty good. I also don't tend to get too caught up in like how Bill Belichick's guys are going to perform as rookies. Like I don't think you have a lot of guys who come in to make an impact. I mean, the Inkeel Harry thing is a dagger though because you know when you look at the 2019 draft, I mean it was let's see who was taken right. Like I mean. Rakyasin, Debo. I mean, like, why didn't they take Debo Samuel? I feel, I feel like my first mock draft, I had them taking Debo Samuel. Like, he's a perfect Patriots player. And then they go in Kill Harry in, in, at 32, and Debo goes at 36. Was AJ Brown available? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was he a second round pick? Yeah. yeah. Miles Sanders too. Not that they need a running back, but. You know. I mean, even like Hardman was there, who like, yes, I know his value is boosted by being an Andy Reid sister, but you'd rather have him at this at this point. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't get like again first round for a long time. It took wide receiver early drafted wide receivers a while to get going. Like Inkeel Harry could come on and have a big year this year. I think they're probably going to run the ball and play a bunch of defense and let Stephen be. Nikhil Harry's big issue is separation. If he couldn't get open with Tom Brady throwing the ball, he ain't getting open with Jared Stidham throwing the ball. So I don't know if he's going to magically improve. But maybe Andy Dalton, if he's there, maybe that helps. And I suspect he'll improve from year one to year two. But a lot of people were surprised that um, Harry went there at the end of the first. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, a, another interesting team to focus on. Um, as we mentioned, they drafted Debo Samuel last year. They've been pretty good. Uh, it, it, have they been good at drafting? I can't. I think so. I think with uh, John Lynch, they've done much better in recent years. They've, they've, um, they did, I'm trying to think, they did well when, God, what was the guy's name that went on to be the Redskins GM that they ran out of town? He was good at, at drafting. Scott, uh, Scott McLuhan. Thank you, yeah. I feel like he did, he did a pretty good job. And then they hit some rough patches, maybe with Trent Balky and John Harbaugh. Although they got Colin Kaepernick. I just mean, I just mean with John Lynch. I think John Lynch has done a pretty good job. They've done, I mean, what Lynch got hired? What twenty eighteen, right? No, seventeen. 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 Sol- Solomon Thomas is his first draft. Well, they got Kittle in the fifth round. Like we hey, have to. Well, Sean, do you remember when um they traded down from number two to number three and got Solomon Thomas and the Bears took Mitchell Trubisky? Ooh, I do remember. And that, it's that was not his even, first draft. Uh, thank you for that. Um, it is like Kittle. Okay, all, right, all, right, all right, you know what? You know, I'm just going to tell you they've been good at drafting because. Oh. But the, the, Fred the Warner. Knock, yeah, well, the knock was that they, Solomon Thomas hadn't produced, and then, like, Reuben Foster was a disaster because of his off-field stuff. But C.J. Beathard was, you know, at least a competent guy who, like, filled in as a, as a third-round pick. Kittle as a fifth-round pick is, like, saves a draft. Uh, Adrian Colbert uh, played well for them, although he's moved on. Um, let's see. Uh, Fred Warner in the third round, as you mentioned. I mean, that's a steal. Mike McGlinchey. Uh, a nice pickup as a first round pick in 2018. Dante Pettis 
second round pick probably hadn't lived up to that, but, but Debo Samuel makes up for it with his play last year. Um, and then, you know, they they got some performance I mean, guys. Yeah. DJ Jones in the sixth round is tremendous value. He's not a superstar, but I mean, he plays a lot. Oh, yeah. uh, he's yeah. a good player, but yeah. getting him in the sixth round, like a starter like that, that's incredible yeah. value. Yeah. They've done a good job. And I think what that speaks to, and I mean, look, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, again, it doesn't matter what else you do in that draft. If you come away with Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel at the top of the draft, you have slam dunked the draft. So I think I'll be interested to see. We know that they don't have a lot of picks. They have 13, 31, and then their next pick, remember they got 13 because of um, the DeForest Buckner the trade that they made with the Colts, 13, 31, and then 156, 176, 210, 217, and 245. To me, this is a clear-cut case of a team that is going to trade down on if not once, maybe twice, and maybe three times on Thursday in the a week from today in the first round of the draft, like you could trade down, you could call the Cowboys if if they want to move up and get C.J. Henderson, trade down from thirteen to seventeen, then trade down from seventeen again, and then trade out of the first round from thirty one and pile up a bunch of picks. I don't think that would be surprising at all. If Jordan Love gets by the Raiders at twelve, there may be a bidding war for the thirteenth pick if someone team some team wants to take Jordan Love there. Um, if you stay put, and I think you're right, I think the ideal situation is to trade down a few times to get a bunch of picks in the first 100 picks or whatever. But if you stay at 13, I would have Henry Ruggs' name circled because Henry Ruggs and Debo Samuel and George Kittle, uh, dude, that makes life incredibly difficult for the Seattle Seahawks to, to try to win the division. I think the Rams, I think we all agree, are probably aren't in the mix. The Cardinals will be more fun to watch. But Henry Ruggs, man, better than Manny Sanders, who's now gone. Yeah. Uh, they have what's-his-name that was on Shanahan's crap list for a while there who was the who's the receiver that kept, kept dropping passes born Kendrick born i think his name was yeah um so henry ruggs and, and debo feel like a just a match made in heaven it would yeah. also sorry at the okay. i don't think they have a good corner maybe at their first pick but when if they do if they don't trade back and ryan i'm looking because it's funny you actually have them taking a corner i was going to say even though their secondary right now is good you've got a lot of older players players are you know, players who are getting a year older, Ryan, um, like Richard Sherman, um, who is on the final year of his deal. So, it, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Sherman comes back if he takes a little bit less to come back to San Francisco. But I, I think corner is also a need, maybe not right now, but to start planning for the next couple of years. That rugs thing is an interesting point. So, like, on the mock draft show this uh, last week, not this the one two weeks ago, not the one that we just saw on Monday that we did for CBS Sports, uh, but the one, the previous one. I had the 49ers, and I ended up trading out of 13 and traded out of 31. Uh, the running gag was I didn't want to work, but in reality, I was just trying to accumulate picks. It was tough, though. At 13, I traded with the Eagles and Jonathan Jones, who came up as their GM, and he came up and took CD Lamb. And I like, I mean, I love CD Lamb and I really kind of wanted to stand put it, stamp at 13. So I think it will be a situation where San Francisco has a short list of guys they're willing to take at 13 and not trade back from. And then, as Ryan points out, if Jordan Love gets past the Raiders at 12 and they're sitting there and maybe it's the Saints, maybe it's the Patriots, you know, maybe it's the Eagles who want to come up and take a, a wide receiver. You do have the opportunity to probably trade back and get a second round pick or a third round pick, uh, a high third, something like that. So, to me, it's kind of the catbird seat and a really interesting spot there in the draft. Or maybe you're, a, you know, maybe you're a team um, like the Vikings and you have two first round picks and you need an, you want an offensive lineman and you know the Buccaneers are probably going to take one. Like, you know, that 13th spot is a critical juncture in the draft, I think. 
Yeah, the Vikings will be stupid to trade, <laughs> trade any draft picks at this point to move up. Just I agree. So many needs. But, there, are, I mean, that 13th spot is, is prime for offensive tackle. If you love C.J. Henderson, for example, cornerback, um, we talked about um, quarterback Jordan Love. Well, like, what about what about like the let's say the Dolphins are there at eighteen and they really want an offensive tackle and there's only one left and they know the Buccaneers are going to take him at fourteen. Yep. You could give up, um, let's say you give up eighteen and fifty six for thirteen. Like, wouldn't the Forty ers do that? Uh, Eight fifty six is pretty rich. I think what's the what's their next pick? You might be uh, able to do eighteen and seventy. Is seventy the third round pick? Seventy is the third round. Yeah. So the Dolphins have thirty nine, fifty six, and, and seventy. Seven. Yeah, fifty six will be rich. You jump on that if you're the Forty ers If you don't, that's, care. Like, no, that's what I'm but I mean, like, but maybe you have like the Patriots calling and willing to offer you a you know, a, a late third round pick, and you tell the Dolphins, hey, look, we won't do it for less than fifty six, and they panic and move up. I mean, you could you could really it's going to be an, it, it's going to be really interesting to see if they're willing to sacrifice a potentially great player there uh, in order to move down and get extra picks. No, I agree with that. What would your what would your cutoff be for guys you would want to take there? What do you mean? How far would I be willing to move down in the first round? Yeah. Oh, I mean, Sean pointed out that I had them taking Trevon Diggs at 31. You can find someone at 30, 32, 31 and 32 if you keep trading down or just moving to the second round. It depends. Now, if you want a wide receiver, you want C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, or, or uh, Henry Ruggs, you, you can't get much lower than 15. So 13 might be – they might see what happens. And look, man, all three of those receivers could be available at 13 if the Jets take a, an offensive tackle at 11. So – and the Raiders take Jordan Love or whatever, so they could they could choose to move down even with those guys on the board, knowing that they'll get one of them later. So you can you can move out of the first round if you want to, depending on, on what you're looking at. Unless you're dying to get an offensive tackle, uh, they're not going to be in the quarterback business, I don't think. So yeah, keep trading down until you you know till you hit that sweet spot. They they can be down in the 40s and get two really good guys if they wanted. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you end up with a bunch of picks in the second and third round. Uh, all right, anything else to add on the 49ers guys? No. Good, Sean. Good stuff. Um, just kidding. By the way, Sean, uh, RJ, yeah, RJ White, we already touched on it. Uh, after the break, Bryant McFadden's top defensive back prospects. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, joining us now is promised to break down the defensive backs, which will, by the way, conclude uh, our, our ranking of prospects, top 10 prospects, heck of a job by us to actually get it done. Thank you, Debo, for organizing it and keeping me in line. But now joining us for the defensive backs, the defensive back of CBS Sports himself, Brian McFadden. BMAC, what's up, buddy? What's up, Will? How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, it is, uh, Thursday, April 16th. Yes, sir. I feel like every day in quarantine or in Corona world, it feels like a Thursday. I mean, you know what? One thing I can say about this that this ordeal that we're going through, it seems like the days are going by fast, right? Uh, depends on. 
I don't know whether you can go outside with your kids or not. I guess. Like, yeah, well, I, I occasionally go outside and get me a backyard workout like I'm in high school all over again or walk right, right. around the neighborhood. But, I mean, when Monday, it, it felt like Monday was just here. Yeah, that, that, that's true. I'll, yeah, I'll give you that. The weeks are kind of moving by quickly. Cause it, it doesn't feel like they drag on. We get to yeah. the weekends quick. And we got the draft coming up. So that's a little bit of excitement. And uh, excited to break down some prospects with you some defensive backs number 10 where well, you're your top 10 number 10 this is a guy you mentioned on the pick six show on cbs sports hq four to five eastern every single weekday up through the draft and beyond i'm told uh ashton davis out of cal what do you like about this kid's game i, I like I, I like how rangy he is uh it's very very important when you have nice range from the safety position because uh, the example I like to use when referencing a safety, you're the ultimate traffic cop. It's your job to really control everything that's in front of you. And he has shown that ability there at Cal. And then he's a playmaker. He's a guy that can really get his hands on a lot of footballs when it comes to PBUs or interceptions. And I like the versatility that he's displayed uh, playing at Cal, being able to cover the slot wide receivers. And I think that is huge looking at the NFL and some of the offenses that he will see on Sundays. Uh, he's an experienced guy. He really benefited from playing all four years in, in, there at Cal. So I like what he brings to the table along with the versatility. He reminds me a lot of Jimmy Ward, the safety from San Francisco. Nice comp. And this is um, is it, this defensive back class, if you're combining the safeties in the in the cornerbacks and even excluding Isaiah Simmons, who to me is a linebacker, um, it's a really good class, I think. Yeah, it's starting to become a better class than what we saw initially. Mm. I think we really we really saw a lot from this class at the combine. A lot of these big name players went out, went to the combine and showed out. And then when you compare that uh, to what they've done from their film, you really like this class more than what you've done than what you did. I think before the combine. Do we? I mean, I don't know if you thought about this entirely, but like, do you think Ash, is Ashton Davis a day two guy or a day three guy? I think he should be a day two guy. I don't see okay. Ashton, uh, you know, making it to the third round. I think he potentially could be a second round selection. Oh, wow. I said, I mean, just, to, you know, so people know, like we're starting off. This is the 10th guy and we're already talking, you know, a day two, likely day two guy, potentially second round. That's a, that's pretty good for that class. Cause you look at some of the other positions and it's like, you know, your back end guys are definitely going to be day three guys. Uh, yeah. Jalen Johnson out of utah your number nine guy yeah i love jalen johnson this is another kid uh, you know i talked about on the pick six show uh just talked about how smart he is i think his above the shoulder game is one of the more he has one of the more impressive above the shoulder games when you look at all the prospects available when it comes to defensive backs he's a very very savvy guy and his ability to put what he see on film and, and and transition that to to the field is very very impressive. Uh, like I watch, go back and watch the Washington game against Jacob Eason, a guy who will be drafted at some point in this upcoming NFL draft, and look at the game that Jalen put out. I mean, he was balling, and you can tell he really studied film because he was able to put himself in positions before the ball was even in play. I mean, he knew exactly what was coming from some of these wide receivers. And because of that, he had an outstanding game. But I love Jalen Johnson because of what he provides from with, his, with his athleticism, but also Will. He's very, very smart. Mm, interesting. And so you think uh, this is another guy, uh, day two? I mean, like, I don't think he's going to creep into the first round or anything, right? 
I mean, you know, having a conversation with Ryan um, uh, on the show the other day, uh, Ryan said that some people believe he could slip in the back end wow. of the first round. Yes, yes. Well, a lot of teams like him, especially the Raiders. I heard the Raiders really like him. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is like, you know, we, we talked, I've talked about this a couple of times, but I think it's important in the context of this defensive backs. But like Pete Prisker has pointed out that there's probably 26 guys who uh, 25 guys who are locks for the first round. I mean, that leaves seven picks. That's a lot of wiggle room yeah. for teams to either trade out of the first round to, you know, teams can come back into the first round if they really like somebody. Or, you know, you talk about a team that that's down there, like the Patriots, the Ravens, um, the Saints, you know, teams that might be interested in drafting a cornerback. If we see a couple of cornerbacks go early, the top end guys will get to them. You know, a guy like Jalen Johnson could come flying into the first round. And no, and not to mention, there are a lot of teams that have multiple first round picks. So, you know, some teams you look at San Francisco, Minnesota, Jacksonville. I believe those are teams that will get a, de- a cornerback or a defensive back at some point in time, which will allow other defensive backs to maybe slip up to be in the back end of the first round or early in the second round. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, okay, let's get to your number eight guy out of Clemson. Had some decent success with pros in recent years. Mm-hmm. Uh, A.J. Terrell. A.J. Terrell. 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 A.J. Terrell. Uh, I don't know. Uh, words like like I was like peril. <laughs> I, I mean, either or. Uh, but I I, yeah, I've, I've heard Terrell more than anything. But no, no, no it's definitely Terrell. I mean, I, I just said it like a like a redneck. I mean, I, I, don't, like, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, what do you uh, what do you think about his game? And, and why do you have him uh, slid up here at number uh, number eight? And I like his guy, overall game. Way. Yeah, uh, Georgia guy. I like his overall game. I think his strong point. Uh, is press technique. His press coverage is really, really good. Uh, he's a guy that has really improved every year there at Clemson. As a true freshman, he got some playing time and eventually became a starter. And every year he got better. Uh, very, very lengthy. He has a nice size around 6'1". Ran a, I think he ran 4'4 at the combine. Uh, you know, the only knock about AJ is that the first big test, right, piece of adversity we saw from AJ was against LSU. And he had a, it was a, it was a tough night for him against <laughs> LSU. And I think you could say that for almost every secondary mate that played against Joe Burrow and the LSU wide receivers. But I, I expected to see a lot more from AJ when you look at some of the receivers he was going against, pro-like receivers. But all in all, you know, talented player. I think he will potentially have an opportunity to get drafted in the first round at some point in time. Okay. Uh, but, I would like, like you said, I mean, it just depends on what these teams like and who's, and who's down there. You know, like the 49ers are a team that we know probably needs a cornerback or probably yeah. wants a cornerback at some point. You know, if they get a guy like a CJ Henderson in, in, in with their first pick, maybe they're, you know, they're, they're not going to take one at 31, we would assume. They're also a team that could trade back. So like it depends on, it really depends on what the, the Chiefs could be a team that could take a cornerback as well, but maybe they trade back. Although mm-hmm. you know, these guys are sitting there, maybe they want that fifth year option. Uh, number seven, safety out of LSU. You mentioned that title game. Grant Delpit. This guy is a uh, thumper. No question. He's, he's a big time player. Uh, very, very athletic. Uh, he had his virtual pro day uh, a few days ago. I think he ran high four three, if I'm not mistaken. Hey, what, uh, would, you, what would you run at your virtual pro day? Oh man, I'll, listen, Will. If I had a virtual pro day and I don't run four three, something is wrong. <laughs> I, I, a, I have. Yeah, I ran a four. I ran a four one nine at my virtual pro day. Yo, I have the wrong people <laughs> hanging around me, and I have the wrong trainer training me. If I don't run four <laughs> three at my virtual pro day, uh, but yeah, I, I, I like uh, Grant. Um, athletic, very very athletic. He's around six two, six three, uh, around two hundred pounds. I think one area he needs to improve on uh, with his game is tackling. 
and I think he will get better at tackling. But he's an all-around playmaker. He's a rangy guy, can be in the box, can be in the post. Uh, he did a lot uh, for LSU throughout his time there. And, and who knows where he potentially could go. I thought he had a legit first-round grade. But now seeing some of the mocks, I know Ryan Wilson had him going in the second round. Uh, I, I don't know exactly will his virtual pro day automatically jump him into the first round for sure. Uh, he won the Thorpe Award last year, so he has the accolades to go along with what he did when you look at his numbers. Uh, but I, 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 he's an all-around good player. Uh, there's not a lot. There's not a lot to not like about Grant when you watch him play. Yeah, very physical player. It, you know, it feels like five or ten years ago too, uh, almost a like a near lock to go in the first round because of how like how aggressive he is against the run and like how he can kind of jump into the box. Maybe now. He falls a little bit more just because of, uh, just because of, you know, the different style of plays. But I think you're right. Absolutely a day two guy. Jeff Gladney out of TCU, uh, is checks in at number six for you. Yeah. I, I, man, listen, Jeff Gladney listed in around 510, uh, 190, 195 or 194, but he plays bigger than his measurables. 510, 191, according to 191. Yeah. He plays bigger than his measurables. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's an angry football player. And I like that, especially if you're a bit undersized based on what is surrounding you when you look at pass catchers. And he reminds me a lot of Denzel Ward, a talented young corner from Cleveland. He's not as fast. Yeah. Uh, you know, Denzel Ward a night, ran a nice blazing 40 time. But Denzel plays bigger than what he is. He's a, yeah. He tackles pretty you, well. You're like, I, I've, I've interviewed Denzel Ward a, a couple times, and, like, I met him in person. I was like, this guy's, like, my side. Like, he's like a, yeah. like. He's like wiry and, 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 but then you see him play and you're like, this guy's like mauling. I mean, not mauling guys, but just like he's doing it. Like he's very, he's more physical than you would expect. Yeah. Yeah. And that's who Jeff Gladney is. Uh, he, he really plays some real good football in the Big 12. Uh, his last two seasons, he had almost 30 PBU. So he's always around the football. He's ball aware. And, and he's a guy that he loves to get in a fight. I like that. And I'm talking about a football fight. He's not backing down from a challenge. And he's another name to, to, to monitor listeners as a guy that could slip into the first round as well. Wow. This is, so this is sort of like, uh, where would you have, when we talk about these cornerbacks too specifically, don't feel like you need to lump the safeties in, but like, do you think, um, is there, where, where does the drop off for you happen? I think probably the top two guys, everybody has uh, the same. We'll get to them in a minute, but then like, um, you know, is, is, is Gladney, AJ Terrell and like Jalen Johnson sort of all in the same tier? Uh-huh. Right it's a traffic jam with those type players. Mm. Uh, Jalen Johnson, Terrell, Gladney, uh, of course, Fulton, Diggs, some other guys. It's, yep. it's a traffic jam okay. of players with similar skill sets. So it's sort of, so it's, so it's sort of like the wide receivers where we have Lamb, Judy and Ruggs, and then yep. you have a big group of guys after that who, mm-hmm. depending on what your preference is for style of play. Okay, interesting. Yep. All right. Uh, and you mentioned Christian Fulton. He checks in as your number five guy, another, uh, LSU. Uh, is it, uh, is LSU, do they claim to be DBU or do Yeah, they- that's what they claim. You know, I did an Instagram live with Patrick Peterson a few weeks yeah. ago and of course he, he threw that out to me, their DBU. And I, honestly, they've been putting a lot of DBU backs out. <laughs> they've, had as late, good, they've had a good run. It's hard <laughs> having, a, having a nice run. I know, I know. But they didn't have Dion, they didn't have B Mac. Get out of here. And then Terrell Buckley, Leroy Butler. I mean, yeah. they didn't have you know Samari Rose. So, you know, we got thick tradition down in Tallahassee. Thick. Um, tell me about uh what do you like about old Christian Fulton here? Christian Fulton, man, he's a savvy guy. Uh you can tell his experience really is on display when you look at him play the game of football. Uh I, I like 
what he does in zone concepts, uh, being able to recognize certain route recognitions and jump the routes to be in position to make plays. And then I can, I also can see Christian potentially moving inside to the slot to be an ideal slot corner for an NFL organization. Uh, but a hezzy guy, he was coached real well there at Baton Rouge uh, with LSU. We talked about Grant Del- Delpit and Christian clearly command that secondary well. Uh, he's another guy that has a first-round grade. I mean, it's almost like every player that we're mentioning, especially when you look at the corners, all potentially could go in the first round. Yeah. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, a guy that is also mentioned as a possible fourth uh, first rounder, <laughs> checks in. I mean, it, I don't know if that, like these people, these guys could all, it, it could, we could end up seeing the back half of the first round be like all wide receivers and defensive backs, or it's possible the teams think that there'll be, there's so much depth there that the set, that, like, the entire first half of the second round is just cornerbacks and, and wide receivers flying off the board. Uh, no doubt, Will. Uh, Trayvon Diggs is a very, very a intriguing guy, right? prospect. Yeah, he's around 6'1", 6'2", over 200 pounds. Uh, but people don't know about Trayvon. He went to Alabama as a wide receiver. He made the transition to corner there at Alabama. So he's still a bit raw. But the thing I love about Trayvon, ball skills. You can tell he's a former wide receiver, the way he attacks the football, the way he brings in interceptions, and he's very, very athletic. I think the best is yet to come from Trayvon, especially when he gets around NFL talent, NFL coaching, and you pair that up with 6'2", 200, great ball skills. Uh, man, he has an extremely high ceiling. Yeah, uh, another guy from uh, from that same program, Xavier McKinney. Checking in as your number three prospect and uh, number one overall safety. Mm. Spoiler: two cornerbacks left. Yeah, two cornerbacks left. But my top three, uh, my my third oh, you, guy is uh, a safety. We you talked to him on uh, yeah. Instagram Live as well. We yeah. that on the Pick Six podcast show. Great kid, man. Great kid. I don't know him, you know, personally outside of the conversation I had with him on Instagram Live, but I. I fell in love with who he is as a football player. You can tell he loves the game of football. And then when you watch him play, you see that same love running around sideline to sideline, looking at the many different ways they used him in the secondary as a box safety, as a free safety, as a slot corner. And he's very, very smart. And I'm not surprised. You know, that's what I would expect from a guy who plays in the secondary under Nick Saban. You should learn a lot, but he has learned a lot. And he just loves going about his business and playing the game of football. Uh, Xavier is a guy I think when you see him on my list, he could be the third defensive back to come off the board in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. There's been like some buzz or at least like chatter, maybe mock draft movement that doesn't even really matter that he can fall into the second round or that he might not be a first rounder. I don't, I mean, you think this guy is a lock for like someone like the Patriots or Eagles in, in that first round, right? The only thing that could hurt Xavier uh, McKinney's draft stock in the first round, team needs, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Some teams may need other positions more than a secondary guy, and that could hurt not just McKinney's, but a lot of the other players we just mentioned. You know I mean, you know, you got a lot of teams that may need quarterbacks. You know, the Eagles, they definitely need to address uh, the wide receiver uh, position along with secondary guys, but the most important thing for Philly is wide receivers. So you got a lot of teams that need yeah. other positions so that could affect some of the draft stocks for some of these players but me personally he's a first round talent he has a first round grade in my opinion and he should go in the first round and like the and the um you know the thing that you with Nick Saban is huge too like I mean you see these guys come out even guys who weren't good like and I'm not saying this about Xavier McKinney at all like you point out he's a really great kid but like Ruben Foster was not a good guy off the field 
mm-hmm. but he's a, like a like a genius, a savant on the field in terms of diagnosing film and, and looking at stuff. And you see that a lot from these Nick Saban guys because they work like Nick, especially the defensive backs that Nick Saban works so closely with. I mean, that's a big plus if you're if you're if you're a team that needs somebody to make an instant impact, right? Ah, no question. You already got a guy who was ahead of the curve uh, compared to other guys. And now you can kind of put him in and allow him to do what he does best because he understands what you're talking about. He understands what he's supposed to do. And a lot of collegiate players don't have that. You know, most guys that come from Alabama, especially playing on the defensive side, they have that. Uh, All right. Number two on the list, also in the SEC, C.J. Henderson out of Florida. I know you've fallen in love with this guy. I've pushed him up uh, close to the um, to Jeffrey Akuda, who's the number one spoiler. Uh, and also worth noting that you might not be the only one who's fallen in love. There's a lot of buzz and speculation that the Falcons uh, might be trying to make a move up with C.J. Henderson as their possible target. And by the way, um, they actually, if you go back, I think um, Thomas and Mitroff was on the Move the Sticks. No, not Move the Sticks, excuse me, Stick to Football podcast uh with matt miller over at bleacher report and at the senior bowl and told them he's like we're at 16 for now in other words like he's planning to move up and it, it, it there is chatter that cj henderson is his target yeah i like cj henderson i don't like that he played at florida but i like who he is as a football player he's a very very smooth cornerback uh, he's savvy you can tell he's been playing cornerback for quite some time he seems to be a natural at the position uh he's he cj is the best cover corner in the draft, I would love to see him become more aggressive in tackling, uh, especially playing against the, the the big wide receivers he will see on Sundays. But when it comes to covering press technique or off technique, he has it and he has a lot of room to grow and become better. Uh, but I, I, I love his game. I think he is really going to be a nice professional player. All right. Uh, and how close is and do you, do you have it as a drop off just from the cornerbacks? Akuda. And C.J. Henderson, and then there's like an, an, another – that's a drop-off, right? Yeah, that's a drop-off. But to answer your question, C.J., in my opinion, is very, very close to Akuda. Yeah, so – Very like, close. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So like, is there any chance he could be taken over Akuda? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think, you know, the scenario you just provided for us as a potential that could happen would be C.J. going higher than what we expect, which would be in the mid-teens. Yeah, or know, even so, top ten. I mean, there's oh, been even like – that the that the that the Jaguars really like him and could make a could make a, a move for him. What's the lowest you think Akuda could go? I mean, the it, the line mm. is just too obvious, right? It is, but what happens if there are a few trades like we've had in our mock drafts, right? Yep. And the Lions trade back, maybe at eight eight or nine or something like that. Then yep. you know, because the teams who trade up in the top ten will, you might as well expect for them to select a quarterback, right? In my opinion. You know what I mean? So if that was to happen, that could be the only way Akuda can, 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 could get knocked down in the draft. But I think Akuda is definitely a, a top five selection, top six selection for sure. And like you said, he's been linked with the Detroit Lions the entire draft process. It's almost too easy. It's like too obvious, right? Yeah, it, it is. But, you know, anything can happen starting with the Washington Redskins, right? I think that is where, that is when the fun will begin yeah. with Washington, either with because of the player they select or if they decide to move out of number two. And then the same thing can, can, can be said for the Detroit Lions currently at number three. Yep. Um, and do you remember who, like, do you remember the lead up to your, and like the discussion, was it like when you got drafted, was it, obviously it's not the same as it is now in terms of the, like the level, like it feels like now, like you're like 
like fans have a deeper level of draft knowledge going into the draft than uh, usual. You had a uh, Pac-Man, Pac-Man mm-hmm. Jones in your draft class. Carlos Austin Rogers. Cole, Carlos Rogers. I mean, do you remember the discussion and chatter? Because I know you said you thought you should be a first-round pick. You went in the second round. Do you do you remember like what that was like leading into the draft? Uh, it was cool. It was cool. It was very cool. I thought, you know, I potentially could slide into the back end of the first round and it would be get, getting drafted in the second. And uh, all the names you mentioned, I kind of knew. We, I knew Pac-Man was going to be drafted high. He was going to get drafted high. I knew Roe, uh, Rogers, And then after those three guys, it was like, okay, what's next? So for us, you know, the question you asked me, you know, where's the drop-off point in this draft class? You know, you got Akuda, you got Henderson, then you got a drop-off. Yeah. In my draft, the drop off was after Rogers, Roe, and Pac-Man. Oh, gotcha. So it was sort of a similar setup in that there was like a group of guys and and it's like, all right, who's gonna be the first one taken mm-hmm. like you know, after those after or like you all knew that those three were gonna be the first three guys off. No and doubt. then it's like if they go early, all of a sudden you can creep into the first round or maybe, you know, go high second. Uh and then who who do we decide was the guy taken above you? I forgot his name now. Oh man, it was somebody it made was it quite play. a few. Oh, were they? Yeah, because I was a six-second pick. So uh, in the second round, let me do this off the top of my head, best as possible, Corey Webster, uh, uh, Cal- Calvin Hayden. Um, Fab- oh, Fabian was in – Fabian Washington was in the first. Mm, yep. uh, Stanford Rout yep. went to the Raiders. Um, Nick Collins wasn't listed. Nick Collins was listed as a corner, but of course he played safety. He went to Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was all in the second round. Yeah. Oh, there were quite a few taken ahead. God, this yeah. is a deep cornerback draft class. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Jackson. Marlon, Marlon Jackson, Jackson was in the first rounds at the coach. Michigan. Yeah. Um, you named a ton of them though. Corey Webster ended up having a pretty good career. Ron Bartell. Bartell to, to the Rams. Yep. Uh, Darren uh, Williams. Howard. Darren Williams, who we could ball, man. You know, he, you know, may he rest in peace, but Darren Williams could ball. Remember yeah. from Oklahoma State? Yeah. War number 27 for Denver. Had a great rookie year for Denver, too. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah. yeah. But was he, did he, was he, he was in the drive-by, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah in the drive-by. Had a great year, rookie he year. Was, yeah, he was a good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Miller out of Clemson. Out of Clemson to the Jets. And uh, then you, you mentioned Calvin Hayden, and then then you. That's a ton of quarterbacks. This mm-hmm. is a similar class in that regard. Then, mm-hmm. I mean, we had a lot of depth. Uh, the depth in our class is similar to what they have right now with the wide receivers. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. A, we had a deep class when just the corners alone. So you didn't even mention any safeties. It just was all corners. I know. I mean, like that's like. I mean, that's a. I mean, how many? I, I, I don't even know how many we ripped off here, but that's like that's like ten DBs take like ten or fifteen DBs taken in the first. Like 65 picks. That's no, a... Will. All corners. The yeah. only one who eventually played safety was, was, uh, Nick Collins. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Nick Collins. He's, he's listed. I'm looking on Wikipedia because why not? Josh Bullock's safety. Safety um, from Nebraska. Yep. Brodney Poole. Yep. From Oklahoma. Um, and there were no first round safeties taken. No first round safeties at all. God, that wasn't, that was the craziest draft year too. Cause it was, it was, I mean, obviously, you know, Alex Smith went number one overall. And then Rodgers plummeted down to twenty four. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, I mean, it's, it's got to be it's got to be nuts too on draft night because you're sitting there and you're like, uh, okay, like I thought I might get, go in the first round and Aaron Rodgers is on the board at twenty. Like maybe I, I mean, you're like crap. Like this is not how you know. You know what I mean? Like if Rodgers yes. is still sitting there, aren't you? You're like, well, I mean, 
I mean, somebody's going to take the quarterback, right? And remember, Aaron Rodgers was actually at the draft. Oh, yeah. And he's, yes. he's, he's got that little phone. He's yeah. Got a little spiky haircut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at I, that time, Jason, the, that draft, the first round alone was a long draft. Yeah. Was that one of the first years that they had – trying to think if that was one of the – no, they had done it in, in – it might have been the first year they – oh, no, it was at the Javits Convention Center in New York. It was in, yeah, it was in New York, and uh, they did the first and the second round the same night, all on Saturday. Oh, they did. Mm-hmm, because oh, I didn't get drafted until that night. Oh, my God. See, because people forget this, but, like, back in the day, they used to do it like they used to start it at noon on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. it was like, and so like then you're, you know, I mean, so you were sitting there for like eight, like, would you rather sit there for the full first two rounds or have to deal with waiting overnight and like sleeping on it? No, nah, I don't want to sleep on it. No, you can't go to sleep. You're not going to get any sleep. Yeah. Like remember when, uh, uh, 2013, when Geno Smith fell out of the first round, like EJ Manuel went and then Geno Smith fell and it was like, like uh, just for twelve straight hours, there's nothing but Geno Smith talk. That would be brutal. Like Frank Gore is the first pick for you guys uh, the following Sunday too. That's kind of yeah, 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 yeah. I, I wouldn't want to sleep on it though, Will. No. You can, so you, so were you, so you would have been, you were. I mean, like, so you, I, I guess I, I don't think you know, sixty two is like a is a good spot to be. I don't think about it in that timeline of like you sat there for almost the entire first two rounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So for me, I didn't start to really get a bit antsy. Until the towards the end of the first round, right, right. So, so you, you that, knew that, you weren't going to be a top fifteen. Yeah, pick. yeah. I knew. Realistically speaking, no, I'm not. I'm like, man, like, probably best case scenario for me, I go in the back end in the first round. But yeah. what was crazy was that the Falcons. I I had a phone call on Friday with the Atlanta Falcons with the GM and the owner, and they were at, talking to me, going over some final preparation for the draft which was on sat the next day on Saturday. And they were like, you know what, you know, we, we, we need a corner. Was that uh, Rich McKay it, then? I think it was Rich McKay. And they were like, you know, they just took D hall the year before they're looking for a guy to pair up with D hall. Yeah. Uh, you know, your ACC guy, we think you do wonderful here in, in, in for our organization. So, you know, we we're in the back end of the first round. So there's a good chance, you know, we might, we might come get you. So I'm like, yo, yeah. I'm, I'm playing. I'm, I'm ready. Messed up, man. So I'm like, don't yo, so I'm like, tell me that. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, okay, they already got the Michael Vick experience. You know what I mean? Tallahassee, Atlanta's not far. You know, of course, I got a nice base there. Yeah. And then in the first round, that was when I first I started to get excited because I we just had this conversation. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what's up? Then they ended up taking Roddy White oh. with their selection. So they took Roddy White with their selection, and I had already knew. The Steelers were loving me, right? I knew the Steelers were loving me. I had a few of my uh, old Florida State teammates there, and they were already filling me in. Like, man, the coaches keep asking about you. Mm. Uh, they like how you play the game, like how physical you are. But what hurt me with Pittsburgh and not going in the first round is that Heath Miller didn't do anything for the draft. He tore his groin. He had groin surgery. So he didn't do anything. Pro day, combine. Uh, he just basically got drafted on his collegiate film, which was great. Yeah. But if Heath probably would have been healthier, there's a good chance Heath would have got drafted earlier. Heath doesn't go at th- so the Steelers and also like remember like again like Aaron Rodgers dropped because of like th- these teams were just kind of th- they weren't doing weird stuff but like like I mean uh, remember like the Jaguars took freaking Matt Jones like a tall exactly. white, wide receiver out of Arkansas I mean like ran a fast forward he ran four three. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. like people were doing kind of crazy stuff in the middle of the in the middle of the first round. That's what led to Rodgers falling. Then Miller, somebody like Miller falls. Yeah, yeah. Heath, 
he was supposed to be at least in a, a pick in the teens, but because, you know, the injury standpoint, he's there for Pittsburgh yeah. and they go select him. And then later on, I found out that I could have potentially gone in that spot if wow. he was gone and they ended up coming back to get me in the second round. It was a lot of crazy things that happened. But, but you're just draft. like you're talking about with this draft. Like, that's just what happens in the draft. The Steelers are like, we need a tight end. We need a weapon. It's a really deep cornerback class. We think there's a good chance we can get McFadden with our second round pick. Let's gamble on it. I mean, that's just what the draft is. That's exactly. That's how it happens. And it's, it's, it's stressful for players, but entertaining for fans. Right. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Cause so for me, you know, I'm a young kid. I just had a call with Atlanta. So now I'm thinking about, wow, Atlanta. And then guess what, Will? They so were up the at 59. Round, they passed you twice. They took, uh, uh, don't tell me, don't tell me the name. They took, uh, uh, the defense alignment. Yep. Uh, the, uh, not, not Claiborne. What was his name? Played a long time for the Falcons. Yeah. Defensive tackle. Yep. <sighs> on the tip of your tongue. You it's Babino, Babino, Babino. Yes, you got it. Jonathan Babino. Nice John, work. Listen, I remember every name. I bet that you do. A place that I thought I was going. Yeah. I, I'm sure you do. And, and like, and like, I mean, again, there are like 12 defensive backs, but you reeled off most of them pretty fast too. Cause it's like, or cornerbacks. Like, you, I mean, you're obviously watching. You're like, no way. I'm better than that guy. No way. I'm better. You know I mean, like that's going through your mind, right? And a lot of these players in the secondary I played with at the senior bowl, our senior bowl was loaded with talent. Wow. Is, you yeah. know, myself, Corey Webster, Travis Daniels, uh, uh, um, Fuller from, uh, Virginia Tech, Junior Rose Green, Carlos Rogers. We were all on the senior bowl at the senior bowl together and we all were on the same team. One of the all time great senior bowls. Would you, what, I mean, would you have been freaking like bleep out if you, if you hadn't gone at like at 62 and you're, and like you had to sleep overnight after? I kind of passed out. I was already <laughs> so hot. I was so mad. Carolina really did me wrong though. Check this out. Uh, true story. Carolina, and I think if you still have the draft uh, slots up, Will, Carolina was maybe a few – they was in the 50s. 54. 54. So Carolina, they were up to select. I'm literally watching the draft in my bedroom at this time because we had a house gathering. I just kind of got – I separated myself from everybody. Yeah, but um, in the middle of the second round, you're like, I'm going to go upstairs and sit here. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I'm in my bedroom in South Florida, Hollywood, Florida. Shout out to Hollywood. And Carolina is up, 54 selection. I get a private phone call to my cell. What? Right? No, it wasn't to my, I didn't have a cell phone at the time. Did, oh yeah, I did have a cell phone. I'm sorry. It's 2005. I had a cell phone. Yeah. I get a, a private, a, a, a yeah, I had, no question. I had a flip. I get a block number calling me and I remember my agent told me, anytime you see a block number, please answer it. I answered it. It's the Carolina Panthers. So was it, like, was it Marty Herney or like John Fox or? It was, it was the GM. It was the GM. Yeah, Marty Herney. Yeah, and, and, uh, or either the assistant to the GM, but he was like, is this uh, Brian McFadden? I said, yes, sir, this is he. He's like, all right, so uh, as you see, we're up on the clock, and we're thinking about, you know, going with you with our 54th selection. How would you like to play for a Carolina Panthers? At that time, I'm like, man, you can tell me uh, you're the Alaska. Play for the, play for the Martians. I don't yeah, care. I'm, Just I'm draft the Alaska, the Alaska Avengers if I had to. He's like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm like, yeah, I'll be excited. And he said, okay, well, right now it's between you and another player, and we're trying to finalize and decide who we're going to go with so i'm sitting here on the phone waiting good thing i didn't run out to the rest of my family and friends to tell them get ready to get selected right dude comes back on the phone and says uh sorry mr mcfadden we're going to go with the uh we're going the opposite direction we're going with another guy are you kidding me say why'd you bother calling me bro and and just hung up i didn't even say i'm like what and so this is how much i remember about the draft you had the draft right in front of you. The player, the player they selected was Eric Shelton, Correct. running back from Louisville. 
He was a really good player in college. He, he, he didn't yeah, do yeah. anything in the pros. E. Shelton was at Florida State with me. He ended up transferring from Florida State to Louisville. Oh, yes. Hey, so yeah. You know him. Yeah, I knew him, and no knock on E. Shelton. I was happy he got drafted, but for me, it was like, what? That's what we doing? So then when Pittsburgh called me, right, so you have the draft still in front of you, Will? I do. Okay, so Pittsburgh called me, and the team that was behind Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken, was San Diego. Am I correct about that? You are absolutely – San Diego was in front – yes, San Diego was in front of Pittsburgh. Okay, San Diego's in front of Pittsburgh, and I think Philly was behind Pittsburgh. That is correct. Yeah, so what I did was when Pittsburgh called me, they were like, is this Mr. McFadden? I said, yes, it is. They're like, this is such and such from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, how have this, they asked me how, how the day was going. I'm like, man, it's been okay. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. <laughs> it's you know. the second round. It ain't going that great, so, right? so, so he hit me with, he said, has anybody contacted you? So I look, I'm watching television. I saw the Chargers get ready to be up on the clock. Uh-huh. And Philly, I said, yeah, matter of fact, the Chargers just called me. And the Eagles just called me, right? <laughs> hey, I was like, yo, they're not going to get me again. My heart can't take this anymore. So I kind of finessed the system. I said, yeah, the Chargers just called me. And Philly, Philly just called me. He said, we don't even worry about entertaining their calls. If you're available for us in the 60-second pick, we're going to select you. I'm like, are you for real? He's like, yes, we're going to select you. Just give me your hands up. So they literally stayed on the phone with me the whole time. And I didn't run out and tell nobody. It was a surprise to everybody in the oh, house. So, so, so your family is all watching it, and like I'm still in the room. I'm still. No, in but I'm saying like it's. Uh, it wouldn't have been Roger Goodell. Maybe it was Roger Goodell. It was Tag. No, it was it was Paul. Oh, Paul Tagliabue. Yeah, but so yeah. Tagliabue said like Brian McFadden, and everybody's like, oh, like yes, because I was afraid to go out and tell them because of what happened with me, Carolina. Absolutely. So I was just on the phone, like waiting, like y'all for real, y'all about to y'all about to draft me, like yes, we're gonna draft you. So that's when okay. So the Chargers end up going to get Vincent Jackson, right? Yeah. From Colorado State. They yeah. took Vincent Jackson. And uh, then now, it was Northern Colorado, but yeah. Northern yeah. Colorado, yeah. Northern Colorado. So they, asked, they took Vincent Jackson, and then here I go. I, I'm on the phone. and like, okay. And then B, BC, Bill Kyle gets on the phone. You know, he's like, Brian, welcome to Pittsburgh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, yo. <laughs> I'm like, about time. You know what I mean? So I talked to the DP. I talked to the uh, defensive back coach, Darren Perry, at that time, Kevin Colbert. And then everybody was going crazy. And I'm in the room. I finally come out. It, it was I was happy, but I was still mad. Yeah. I, I was mad because Carolina, I feel like Carolina tried me. They didn't have to call me until they knew for sure. And then where I got selected. But all in all, it was a good experience. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it obviously worked out great because you won two Super Bowls. Yeah. And my high school coach, he was there at the time, Keith Franklin. And he was like, yo, man, he was excited. He was like, man, what's wrong? I'm like, man, I'm mad, man. I lost a lot of money. I thought I was going to get drafted high. He's like, man, listen. You go into a championship organization. Yeah. You're going to an organization that will always be in playoff contention. That's important. So for me, well, I'm like, man, I don't hear. I'm not listening to what you're talking about. Man, I don't, want, I don't want to yeah. try to win a Super Bowl. I want my cash in my pocket. No bro. question, man. I'm like, I, I want to be paid. He's like, you're going to get paid when you win. Everybody gets paid. And I'm he's like, man, right, I'm, he's right about that, though. Yeah. And then I was like, I thought I was going to Atlanta. I ended up going to Pittsburgh. It's cold. First thing I thought about Pittsburgh was Gotham City, Batman. It's always gloomy. I'm like, he's like, man, forget that, Mac. Don't worry. It's going to work out for you. Long story short, a few months later, I mean, we're in the Super Bowl. Yeah. That, yeah, that's right. You play in the Super Bowl as a rookie and like all the dudes at the back of the first round are like, man, I would, I would, I would give up all, like, you look at like whoever, um, you know, 
whoever got drafted, like Eric Shelton would give up whatever. I guess he didn't get drafted. You get my point there. Who, the guys in the first round would give up that cash for those Super Bowl rings in a, in a heartbeat. Uh, all right, BMAC, that was, we should have just done a separate podcast on, on your draft experience. <laughs> I'm guessing Brady won't, I probably won't let us do one on his draft experience. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll find out if Brady listens. BMAC, uh, follow him on at B, uh, what is it? BMAC underscore sports talk. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Follow him on Twitter there. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. He'll be on the Pick 6 podcast show with us frequently. Uh, always fun, buddy. No question. Thank you.